Hello, Stone Dates and others who are curious about the healing powers of psychedelic medicines. Welcome to the Stone Dave Reports. I'm your host, Stuart Preston. Each episode, I talk to another Stone Dave, somebody who has experienced the transformational powers of psychedelics, or with a practitioner who works with these medicines. In this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with Heidi. We discussed her idea of personal archaeology, digging deep to find the roots of one's trauma. We talked addiction, depression, and ayahuasca. Please enjoy this episode with Heidi. Heidi, thank you so much for, for joining me here on the Stone Dave Reports. I'm really excited to, to speak with you about your journeys with uh, psychedelic medicines. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, why don't we just uh, start right in and then kind of tell us um, kind of your, your Stone Dave story, your origin story. I know like many people, you had some experience with psychedelics earlier in life, but then came back to them later in life, maybe with a little more more purpose, you know, involved. But, you know, what was going on in your life? What were the challenges you were facing that, that kind of led you to get to this point? Yeah, I was definitely no stranger to psychedelics. I mean, I started um, experimenting them when I was in my teenage years. And it was really, for many years, a go-to for me for just um, exploration. And, um, but I didn't have the healing kind of relationship with it at least not that I was aware of I'm sure it was you know working on me in ways I didn't understand but um, Mm -hmm. in terms of coming to the medicine with intention that wasn't something that I had done until um, just very recently Um, and so my real journey began about it was in the mid to like 2005 ish I would say Mm -hmm. So in about 2005, um, I had been struggling with addiction issues. Um, it was like this rabbit hole that I just kept falling down. And, you know, I would, I would party and I'm a very sensitive person and it would mm-hmm. really uh, just wreck, you know, I was using amphetamines and, and similar stuff that would, you know, bring me up, but then you would crash so hard afterwards. And, and I couldn't stop. I just, I just kept doing this thing over and over again that would make me feel great. And then I would just feel so depleted and so wrecked. And I was dropping all the balls. You know, my life mm-hmm. was not, I was maintaining to somebody who didn't know me very well. I was probably maintaining, but I was not performing at the level that I'm capable of. And so in a, in a, in a desperate moment, I um, was in my bed and what would happen after, you know, partying is I would crash for days and I would mm. have to sleep it off. And it's like my body needed to restore because I had just burned off all my serotonin, like all my dopamine. I'm sure I was just like, you know, burning off all my neurochemicals that were keeping me, that would typically keep you functioning. And so my body just would go into shutdown because I had to re regenerate these things. And during that time, it was terrible. I was terribly depressed. I was, you know, had lots of suicidal ideation. I just, Mm. I was alone and in, in the depths of despair. And I, and at one point I prayed and I was like, you know, if there's anybody, anything, anyone, I was not a religious person that can help me right now, please give me, (laughs) what do I, what do I need help, you know? And so I humbly reached out to, I just call it the universe for help. And, um, Around this time, I had also, there was a period in my life where I was an atheist, and that was in my early 20s, and then I started allowing sort of more spiritual aspect to come in. I started picking up on synchronicities, and signs were popping into my life that I, I couldn't ignore. There was so many 
there were so many strange occurrences that I, I had to stop pretending that it was not there, I guess you could say. Mm. Um, and so during this time around 2005, when I was in a really bad place, I had only just recently started allowing, um, you know, the, the world unseen to be, um, how do I want to say this? to be viable. Like I, I only started allowing myself to pay attention to these things. And, hmm. um, and so I started having psychic experiences. I've been a lucid dreamer since I was a child. I've had out of body experiences since I was, I think the first time it happened when I was four, I've been a lucid dreamer and I've had a, a, some pretty interesting um, psychic things happen to me. And wow. so shortly after I had prayed, like, please help me. I was, I was getting visuals. So there's like clairvoyance is when you see things, clairaudience is when you hear things, um, claircognizance is when you just know stuff. Hmm. And I was, I'm the type of person that really, I'm, I have an insatiable curiosity and I'm a problem solver and I will really dig into something when it's causing issue in my life. Um, but the drug dependency, I couldn't beat. Um, but I was getting these visions a few days after this happened, I believe. And um these images were popping into my head and I was seeing the DNA, a DNA strand and then two serpents intertwining. And it was much like the caduceus, which is the medical symbol, um, okay. the staff with the two yeah. serpents going up. And then there's just a pair of wings on top. And so I kept having this, these visions of these symbols in my head and I, I didn't really know what to make of it. And it wasn't entirely surprising to me because I thought, Oh, I'm have to pick that up somewhere in my research or because I was always um, very scientific and also very creative. And so I, I dig into stuff and I'm able to make connections between, you know, seemingly um, unconnected ideas, I suppose you could say, like physics and spirituality, you know, which maybe these days it's not so strange to connect those things. But um, back then it seemed a little bit, um, not many people were making these parallels, I guess, that I was picking up on. So all that yeah. to say, I was getting these visions of um, the caduceus and a DNA strand. And then I was driving down the road and a voice said to me, you need to go to this bookstore. And I was like, A, who's talking to me? I'm alone in my car right now, right? And B, what bookstore? And I look up to my right and there's a bookstore there. And the bookstore, I'm not shitting you, it was called Serendipity. <laughs> wow. So I pull over and it's on Wellington Street in Ottawa where I live. It, the bookstore's closed down now, unfortunately. But anyways, I pull over and I go into this bookstore and I start, and it's a metaphysical kind of bookstore. And I start looking at the books and, uh, and this voice is still there and it's like, that's really interesting, but that's not the book that you're looking for. And so I'm going through all of the books on the bookshelf and I walk through the whole bookstore and then I get to the end and I pick up a book and there's a snake and a DNA stand on the front of the cover. And it wow. was the cosmic serpent by Jeremy Narby. And it's a book about ayahuasca. And so the voice said to me, that's the book you need. And I was like, oh, okay. And like, this was really freaky to me. Like at this point, because I had only recently uh, been allowing these sort of psychic things to come back into my life and so yeah. it was like a pretty powerful experience so I'm like uh you know kind of in shock like buy the book pay for it and I get home and I'm reading it and so the book was about ayahuasca and it was written by an anthropologist who um you know learned about the medicine when he was in South America and um, it talks about his experience with it and so when I read that book I knew that was my medicine 
And I was like, I was, I just knew that I needed to take this. Now, unfortunately, I didn't get an opportunity to take it until um, about 2018. And so I struggled with addictions. I mean, I definitely got better over time, but still was something that was, you know, out of off kilter in my life. And, um, and so I got to work with the medicine. I've worked with it three times now since then. And, um, it's just been a complete, like mind blowing journey of, um, revealing, I would say all of the things that were like, um, were causing my addiction. And so it was just, I came to realize that there were a lot of emotional wounds that I had, through a lifetime of being human that were unresolved that I needed to go Mm. back and revisit these things and process them in a, in a, you know, without blocking any of the aspects of it, just allowing the, the completion almost of the emotional processing. And one of the things that ayahuasca has shown me is like what we perceive as the problem is just the very surface of what's actually going on. And I, I like the tree analogy. And I think of like the manifestations of the issues in our lives, it shows up as the leaves, but in order to really understand why those things are growing in that way you have to dig down to the roots and you have to Mm. travel back in time and really go down to um you know i think of the idea of original sin i think that is almost like a core wound that occurs in childhood or um or throughout and so my journey with ayahuasca has been this i like to call it personal archaeology and it's like digging down the layers Hmm. and getting down through all of the traumas that have happened in your life and then examining those things and and bringing them to the surface um i have had to develop a lot of self-compassion um and and get that out of my system so to speak um and by doing that i feel like the the wounds in my energetic body have been healed and patched and so now um i don't have those addiction issues anymore because i'm not trying to uh there's nothing to numb like um i'm not trying to hmm it's interesting with addictions because it's like you're subconsciously acting out something that you don't even know is there. And so the ayahuasca allows you to look at those things that are there and be like, here, this is why you're, you're hurting and you don't realize you're hurting Mm. and let me show you your wounds. And so she really, you know, gently brings you to them and then, um, and helps you really acknowledge those very painful things that you had tried to sweep under the rug in your life. And, um, yeah, it's just been, it's been so mind blowing. Like it just, it's, there are no words to describe like the astonishment of how something like you could carry something for so long and not recognize how much it's weighing you down. Um, and, and then the beautiful release of actually, you know, cleansing that out of your system. So my journey with ayahuasca has involved a lot of crying. <laughs> a yeah. Lot of, you know, like um, after my, my first, the first night I didn't, I'm trying to remember now, it seems so long ago. Um, after my first um, sitting with the medicine, which was a weekend event, um, on the second night there was a, a, a big release where I definitely... Um, it actually brought me back to um, my teenage years and um, I had an abortion when I was 15 years old 
Mm. And, and the circumstances by which I came pregnant were pretty traumatic. And mm. I had processed the grief of having been raped, essentially. And I had dealt with that aspect of the situation, but I never dealt with the grief around losing a baby. And so, mm. um, and so acknowledging like all of the sadness that I had around that, because, you know, I was so young, it was very like, you know, my parents took me to have this procedure performed. We never talked about it again. It was very much like, and so I had bottled up all of this stuff and was very confused and hurt, you know, yeah. young teenager. And so um, throughout my life, I had sort of acknowledged, um, you know, how, how I was mistreated by another individual. But yeah, that the fact that I killed my own baby was like, it was just something I had never really wow. thought about before. But my womb, like I was carrying this deep, deep grief that I didn't even understand was there. And so ayahuasca helped me acknowledge that and uh, and to purge that and to just like sit with it and and to grieve and to mourn the loss because I don't have any kids actually at this point in my life and I've always wanted them and so there was a lot of sadness there that I just I didn't even know was there it was so surprising when she showed that to me yeah it was like it was it was yeah just mind-blowing so that was a big one and that was like the it's almost like it were in my in my case she worked backwards. Like I said, the personal archaeology, it's like you will come to um, the newest layers first. And then I've continued to dig down deeper mm -hmm. um, as I've continued to work with the medicine. And so the last time I sat with the medicine, I really felt like I was doing ancestral work. So I had cleared out all of my own pains. And then I was dealing with the pains of my family. And um, the last time I sat with the medicine was last December, another weekend retreat. And I cried uncontrollably for hours. And like the whole room was kind of focused on me because I just, I was so, like the, to the depth of my guts, I was mm -hmm. just sobbing and sobbing. But it was, I was allowing that, like I was releasing, you know? Yeah. And, and I just, I couldn't help but have this, this feeling that, it wasn't just me I was crying for. It was like all the pain of my forefathers and my, all of wow. my mothers and grandmothers. And, and, you know, through this work, I've come to recognize all of the traumas that have existed in my family and have been passed down from generation to generation. And, you know, I feel like it was all coming up through me for healing. And so I just grieved and grieved and grieved. And, um, and it was really beautiful. And one of the moments, um, in, it was, I work with shamans who are very respectful and they're not going to touch you physically unless, you know, they have permission. And um, the shaman's helper was sitting at my mat because I was just crying and crying and crying. And I asked him, I was like, can you hold me right now? Because I had regressed into being a tiny baby. Mm -hmm. And in the 70s when I was a child, you know, some brilliant doctor, and I say that very sarcastically, mm -hmm. <laughs> taught mothers that you should let your child cry it out. And that is so right. damaging so damaging and so i felt like and and that had created a huge um abandonment issue in me like not and and the inability to ask for help when i needed it because i asked for help when i was very small an infant crying in a crib and nobody came and so what happens if that is your response from the world is you learn to shut down and you don't you learn asking for help 
you need to figure out hmm. something else because that's not going to work for you. And so yeah. that's where, where dissociation can become a go-to strategy because all we're doing as children is trying to cope, right? We're trying to survive in our environment and we will adjust our behavior based on the feedback that we're getting from our environment. And so if somebody isn't going to come and be nurturing to you in your times of desperation, you're going to learn that asking for help, reaching out isn't going to get me what I need. I need a different strategy to soothe myself in this situation. Yeah. And so that's where dissociation can come in. And this can be very much the root of addiction. Sounds like, so, yeah. Yeah. And so um, in this moment, it's like I went back to being a baby and I asked for help to the person in front of me. I said, can you hold me right now? And he was like, of course. And so I just, you know, I sobbed in his arms for a few minutes. And, um, and, and so that was a new learning for me. It was like, you can get help if you ask for it. And it's okay to get help, to ask for help. And you will be comforted when you ask for help. And so accepting, yeah, my own vulnerability and my ability to ask for help and, ha and receive it was a very powerful experience. And then, wow. and as I already said, there was, um, there was uh, ancestral work going on. Um, and I just felt the thing that was coming up for me was that I felt unlovable. And it was not just me. It was like all of the trauma in my family, like everybody just felt so unlovable. And I just cried that out of my system. <laughs> and um, as we were leaving the next morning, this was on the second night when I had this big release, um, the shaman's assistant, he had a deck of oracle cards and they were indigenous um, based. And he said, pull a card. And so the one I pulled was actually um, an ancestor card. And it said something to the effect of, you know, we're here, your ancestors are proud of you and we're here standing behind you and we apologize for any pain we may have caused you and wow. you know, we're here to support you. And it was just like so freaky. And I was like, but it was on point. And I was just like, exactly. Like I just knew. And, and these are things that, you know, scientifically, how are you ever going to explain this? Maybe they will someday. I'm not sure. But right. anecdotally, you know, I just, and having that, I just could, you just get these feelings like this is what you're doing, even though it's kind of inexplicable. Yeah. Um, learning to trust that and just go with it because it has been absolutely the most powerfully healing experience of my life. I don't need antidepressants. I don't need, you know, any of yeah. these um, band-aid kind of medicines like the, the, the psychedelics heal you. They don't just put a band-aid fix on things. And so, um, yeah, it's been absolutely amazing. And um, since then, I've like invited a wonderful new relationship into my life. I feel very balanced. I feel like nice. ah, just better than ever. You know, I'm able to ask for what I need without it turning into some dramatic situation. It can, it's just very, life has become very simple and very plain. And I'm really, I've really learned to um, communicate my needs effectively, to understand what my own authentic needs are because a lot of us don't even aren't even aware of that right we're, we spend so yeah much we don't time, even like, know no we're conditioned we're so conditioned to behave in certain ways and so we often this is where the wounding starts right we shove aside our own authenticity in order to conform to other people's ideals and so uh, undoing all of that programming and really get in touch getting in touch with who you really are is the healing work as far as i'm concerned yeah and so that's, yeah, that's been my journey. And um, now I'm actually very interested in, I've, 
I've been an interior designer for many years, but I really have a, a strong passion about the, this kind of work. And so I'm coming, I'm trying to figure out how to um, eventually shift into, you know, I might go back to university and study um, psychotherapy so that I can eventually, if these medicines become legal, you know, be in a position to work with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm happy to, you know, I'm a bit of a rebel too. So working in the underground. Yeah completely outside of what I would do um trying to find that balance between um I would say a sovereignty of consciousness and taking you know I really believe in taking your health into your own hands and not relying on the medical system which is completely bastardized at this point right right um you know and and so these medicines as far as i'm concerned offer an opportunity to do real healing and so i'm very passionate about them and very passionate about um helping people learn about them and trying to offer some guidance and um yeah i've gotten involved with the psychedelic society in the city that i live in and i'm continuing to um figure out my path in this way because i can't just jump ship from my yeah and you're out there talking to people yeah exactly and um my partner right now he he smokes a lot and i'm encouraging him we've been talking a lot about him quitting because that is really important for me he's it's you know smoking is obviously very bad for you and so um i've talked to him about uh potentially doing a psilocybin trip in order to address the smoking issue and so i think in the coming weeks we're going to uh make a point of that and so psilocybin is another medicine that i'm quite um um tied to i guess Mm -hmm. that's the word i'm looking for it's something that i utilize in my continued journey um sometimes if i need almost a um like a little bit of a boost, you know, I'll, I'll yeah. do a psilocybin trip or even dosing. Yeah, a little reset. Yeah, because the opportunity to work with ayahuasca doesn't, it's not readily available for me, you know, right. anytime I want. So I have to wait for those opportunities. And so in the interim, psilocybin has been more easily accessible. And uh, yeah, it definitely brings me back. Like those two medicines for me are very, they work together. Um, yeah. And I, yeah. And so. It's been, yeah, a complete mind-blowing experience, though. It just reveals this layer of of complexity that, like, you're only just skimming the surface. Yeah, in, and it's interesting. You, you, uh, you, you mentioned two, two things that kind of um, cover up, deaden, numb symptoms. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. traditional, and, I, and I don't, I'm not here to bash um, pharmaceuticals because I know for a lot of people, they do a lot of real good. Sure. But you mentioned how they kind of cover up some symptoms and so do um, illicit drugs and alcohol and mm-hmm. sex and you know whatever it is that uh, an addiction can cover that up. But you talk about ayahuasca and psilocybin as things that kind of get to the root and bring mm-hmm. those to the surface to really, really help the healing. Yeah, they force you to look at some stuff. And I've been lucky that my journeys with the medicine, they've, they've, been very sad but they haven't been you know i hear you hear some people having to look at some really horrific you know visuals and you know they have really terrifying journeys and Mm i i haven't experienced that um but all that to say regardless of if it's terrifying or just very like requires a lot of grieving process it just it brings to the surface the uncomfortable truths 
Yeah. Um, and not to, not to terrorize you, but to just be like, look at, you, you can't keep ignoring this thing, you know? Right. And so here it is. And, and there's a, there's just a processing that needs to happen. And so I, so yeah, I would say another um, really huge factor in my healing journey has been a mindfulness practice. Mm-hmm. And there's a really great meditation teacher, Tara Brock. She has a few books. One is Radical Acceptance. Um, her latest is Radical Compassion. And she has a bunch of awesome um, talks on YouTube. I, she records I, she teaches at Vipassana retreats, and so she records the classes, and those are freely available online. Radical acceptance and, and radical... Mm-hmm. Radical compassion, and another compassion. one is called True Refuge. And so I tuned into her after my first session, and her work has been absolutely um, critical in my teaching me to be with what is difficult. Wow. Really, her her teachings really help you through a mindfulness practice just examine the hard stuff and be okay with it and allow it to move through you which you know are the reason we become wounded is because we're always sort of blocking yeah our our authentic experience and it's like because grief is painful and and we don't want to experience the pain and so we're like oh Oh no, I can't feel that right. And so we try to turn the other cheek, but it, it doesn't. Yeah. It gets stuck in us. It doesn't. Turning the other cheek doesn't heal it. It actually poisons us from the inside when we don't address these things. And so, her work has allowed me to open up those channels and and allow the water to flow. I the water. To, I think of a river. You know, either you yeah. dam it mm-hmm. or you unblock that dam, and then the the water can flow through again. And that's where vitality comes from. So so now even when I through through that work you know in conversation like I can have difficult experiences with other people you know the conversations with my partner about the smoking have not been easy um, but I'm able to work through it and stay present and not have it blow up into something you know it's just a very frank conversation where I share like it I have a turning in my gut right now because I'm so worried about your health and right. I can't just sit here and not say anything while you're poison, like blackening your lungs like this. And so it just has enabled me to, to be very authentic and very clear and without hiding stuff that's shitty, you know, but also being able to talk about it. And um, yeah, it's been really, really transformative. And it sounds like, you know, I hear a lot of people talk about integration Mm-hmm. You know, experiences and it almost sounds like this is uh even more than integration like it's continued healing yeah. rather than just just taking on the lessons it sounds like it's continuing that whole process expanding like it, it. Is, yeah the deepening continues and there's always um some new insight that's coming to me and I'm as clear as I feel right now and as balanced as I am you know I don't I can't say for sure that there's still that there's nothing to uncover. I'm always surprised. And I'm sure that, you know, the shamans, like the more you continue to work with this medicine, and not to say that you have to, like if, you know, I I may at some point very much decide that I don't need it anymore. Um, But there's a part of me that really would love to go deeper. Um, And so I have no doubt that the mystery will continue to unfold. And it's, it's magical. It's beautiful. It's like, so you know, there aren't even, it's ineffable <laughs> and it's, yeah, but I'm so yeah. grateful, you know, I'm so grateful that, um, that the universe heard my cries and answered me and that I was open to receiving 
you know, following those, those little, um, inspira- the inspiration, I suppose you could say that came to me and that I, yeah. you know, trusted that and I went with it and, um, it hasn't let me down. And, um, there was a point in my life where I would have shut that down though and not looked at it. And so yeah. I just, you know, people say you have to see it to believe it. Well, there's a part of you that has to believe it to see it in some situations. And if you're totally closed hmm. off to there being more to this world than meets the eye, then you're not going to experience the magic that's behind the veil. And so, um, even, you know, maybe you can, to somebody who, um, what do I want to say here? You can choose to be not an atheist and not somebody who believes in spirits or whatever, but what's in the middle where like, you're like, I can't say it is agnostic. Thank you. So, um, be, you know, you, I think that that's a more helpful stance than just saying it's absolutely not true. Yeah. You can at least be agnostic about the potential for, um, for the healing and the, yeah, the beauty that exists a little bit um, outside of this very material 3D reality that we are existing in, then, yeah, some pretty interesting things can show up for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They sure can. Well, that that's an amazing story, Heidi. I'm, I'm so grateful for you to come here on the Stone Dave Reports and share that with everybody. I'm, I'm truly grateful you took the time to do that with us today. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to share my story and I hope that it uh, helps people. And I just want to get the message out there that uh, these medicines can be very powerful and very healing. Indeed. Indeed. And, and your story will help. Thank I'm confident you. in that. Yeah. Well, thanks for all of your uh, hard work and your efforts uh, in bringing these things to the forefront as well. That concludes this edition of the Stone Ape Reports. Thank you for listening. Please follow us on Instagram at Stoned Ape Comedy and subscribe to our newsletter at www.stonedapecomedy.com. Again, thanks for listening and catch you next time, Stoned Apes.